You're listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at www.newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Mark and we're going to talk about meeting your child's birth parents. Hi, thank you for joining me this week. I want to talk about meeting your child's birth parents, but to set the scene a little bit, could you tell me a little bit about the child that you adopted, about your um, family setup, those sorts of things? Sure. Well, our son Lucas was seven and a half when we first met him. He'd been taken into care when he was just aged over three. So he'd been in foster care for a considerable period of time. And my husband and I, Matt, had been together for 15 years, I think it was, when we started going through the assessment process for adoption. And that took a good six months to go from when when we started the process to, to being approved. And then there was a further six or seven months of family finding. And because at that time, there were fewer children in our neck of the woods that had placement orders, we were encouraged to look beyond the county barriers for a possible match. And it happened that we were that we adopted out of county. So when it came to meeting our son's birth parent, um, which was his mother, because his father wasn't around at the time, we had to travel a fair amount of distance to do so. But I think the key thing was that whatever we'd expected she wasn't like. You sort of have an idea, I think, in your mind of what your child's birth parents are like. And because you've read all of the paperwork and because you understand the family history, you tend to see them in a fairly gritty light. And actually, the person that we sat down and spoke to for about half an hour, 40 minutes was a very human, very humble person who just had issues that she couldn't come to terms with and provide the, the kind of love and care that, that our son needs. So it was, it was a far more positive experience than we'd been expecting. Did you know right from the start that you would want to meet the birth parents or was it something that you came to during the process? It was uh, raised with us certainly during the preparation training that meeting the birth parents was a good idea, that it would answer far more of your questions that, that you had than just by looking at the paperwork alone. And although it's not something you particularly look forward to, we, can, we just accepted that it was going to be a necessary part of the process and actually it would probably be helpful although we'd all feel somewhat uncomfortable, which is pretty much how it played out in the end. There's nothing more perturbing than waiting to meet your child's birth parents. And on the one hand, you want them to like you. You want it to go smoothly. You want them to feel as at ease with the the transition of, of parenting as they can do, because they're losing direct contact with their child. And they will want to know that the people who are going to be caring for their child is, are going to do a good job and love them for, for them. But at the same time, you've also read the paperwork around why the child was removed. And certainly I felt that I just wanted to ask why. How did you let this happen? Why did you let it happen? 
but you can't ask those questions. It's a chance to find out about the family traditions, how our son got his name, what his birth mother did to comfort him when he was younger, memories that may have cropped up from when he was a, a young child, and how to answer the questions that she might have answered before and how to make those answers work for him as he grew up. So it was, yes, it was a very challenging conversation, but ultimately it was well worth doing. When you arrived at the venue, I mean, was it at the council offices or was it somewhere else? Uh, Yes, it was at the council's offices. We went in through a side entrance and the birth mother came in through a different entrance. We were taken in and sat down first and the conversation happened with a social worker in the room to facilitate the um, the conversation also a second social worker to take notes and when we'd finished chatting the birth mother was taken out of the room again via the the way in which she'd gone and we waited for five ten minutes or so and then went were then taken out from a, a second exit so that our paths didn't cross. When you first laid eyes on her, how did you feel? I felt very sorry for her. I genuinely did. It's clearly had taken a toll on her. There were other issues at play in her life that she couldn't come to terms with. And it was I was grateful that she was primarily focused on making certain that our son grew up and knowing that she loved him and that she was doing what she thought was the right thing for him. And that made it a lot easier than possibly other contacts with birth parents are. We'd been anticipating lots of resistance to us on the grounds that we're a same-sex couple, and she didn't have that at all. It wasn't part of the conversation. What was more useful to her was the knowledge that we cared that we'd thought through what his likes and dislikes were, that we would keep her informed of his progress because that was one of the conditions of the adoption order, that, that there was less box contact, and that we'd meet those, those terms. And although she's missed a couple of letters to our son, we've always made certain that she gets letters both from us and also from him. And other than one occasion, that's always happened. So it's as fulfilling as it can be. And certainly it's useful for our son because he gets a lot of comfort from knowing that we've met his birth mother, that she is happy that he that he's with us. We took a photo with her on the day just so that we could show him. And he asked us to see it from, from time to time. And again, it just gives him that sense of continuity that it's not a part of his life he has to feel embarrassed to ask about, that he has to avoid talking about for fear of upsetting us. And that's a a key thing, because knowing where you've come from and understanding as much of your life story as you can, it's really important as you get older to be able to do that. And certainly we hope that we've done enough to make him trust us and understand that that there's very little he doesn't know. So he doesn't need to go online looking for answers to questions, that actually we've got the answers that are known, that we will endeavour to find out the answers to things that he doesn't know, and that he can 
talk to his birth mother via letterbox contact twice a year and have that reassurance that she's still a part of his life. I recognise some of what you're describing. We met our son's birth mother and when she walked into the room, I was just struck by her vulnerability, really. We seemed so much better equipped for the meeting and she just looked so vulnerable and it struck me how much courage it must take to come to that meeting knowing that your child's been removed, your child is being legally handed over to somebody else. And I guess if the tables were turned, I think I'd fear the judgment in the room. And so I was just really struck by her courage for coming. The vulnerability is is palpable. It was certainly very true that there wasn't any tension in terms of us being the adoptive parents and her being the, the birth mother. It was more a I want to do what's right for him. I understand this is the best thing for him. What questions have you got for me? And, you know, what questions can I ask of you? Just to get a sense of what the new family structure looks like. And the social workers monitored the questions and diffused any that were, that were difficult. We were known by our first names to the birth mother, but not by the second names. So there'd been no possibility of, of tracking us down online after the after the meeting and yes it, it's just the incredible vulnerability and you look at certainly we looked at her and, and just felt very sorry for her it was a difficult meeting for anybody involved but most difficult for her because she's been the birth mother she's faced challenges her child had been removed and was now being removed permanently, moving to another home. And that's that's a hard plan of action to reconcile with. The only thing you can do is work with the system to try to have some kind of contact in the longer term. But of course it's difficult, and of course it's going, it's going to be incredibly hard. What did you ask her, and what did she ask you? She asked us about what the school he was going to to go to would be like, whether we were from large families, what made us think he was the right child for us to adopt. So a lot of it was were questions that we'd already answered going through the process. They were coming from someone different with a more human agenda, but they weren't difficult questions to answer. We asked lots of practical questions about you know, what was his favourite TV programme that he'd be sat in front of when he was a small child? What did you do to calm him down if he got very upset? You know, he liked sleeping with the light on. Is there any reason why that's such a big thing for him? And it's a lot of it is details that isn't covered in the paperwork that you see from social services. And social services can't be expected to capture every little detail. But it's the little details that tend to be the ones that come up in conversation sort of 18 months down the line, where, where you just want to try to understand where your child is coming from. And that's probably one of the more difficult things if you're adopting an older child rather than one who's a, a lot younger, because a lot of the kind of soothing time that you spend with a, a young child you don't have so you have to try and understand what techniques work and why they work from the get-go and that's that's quite challenging on 
the flip side is that if you want or need to have that conversation because your child's that bit older, they can understand the questions and, and give you an answer that's slightly better than I don't know, <laughs> which is which is understandable why you give that as an answer. But if your child can explain what they're feeling and why things are distressing them, it helps you to, to fix that for them. And so you had that meeting and how did that end? What was said at the end and how did you part? The, the meeting ended by reiterating what the likely contact arrangements were going to be post the adoption order. And that that was because we'd done introductions in a fairly quick turnaround and the the proposed adoption plan set out what contact details were what what the proposal for the contact details was so so as to give the birth mother a good understanding of what she could expect moving forwards and also for us to be able to explain to to our son what future contact there would be and we, we explained why it was set up the way it was set up it's there's obvious confidentiality issues so you can't write a letter and that go direct to the birth mum. Everything has to go through social services, both in terms of us sending letters for her to read and her sending letters for him to read. Then you also talk about what you can and can't put in the letters and also talking about whether or not you can send photos. And in our son's case, we don't. But if you drew a picture, then that could be forwarded on to her. But it left on a fairly positive note. It didn't feel as though a chapter was ending. It felt as though we were working towards the best outcome for him that we could. She did get quite upset during the meeting, um, but she, she pulled through it and was far more composed by the end of it. Now you write every now and then. What sort of things do you talk about in those letters? Any illness that he's gone through, the challenges that he faces at school, any trips or holidays <laughs> that we've been on. Obviously, not many taking place at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's things that he is planning for his birthday, things that have made him laugh. We also allow him to ask questions of her. So he might say... When I was a baby, did you ever take me to the seaside? Did I ever go on a pier? All that, those kind of questions where he can link his time with her back to um, back to his current life. So it tends to, they, the, the exchanges do tend to be uplifting and the letters are friendly. There's no real emotional blackmail in them. And because social services see the letters before we receive them, if something were to be written that wasn't appropriate, it would get caught at that stage and she would be asked to provide an alternative letter to, to be sent to us. Do you think that there will be face-to-face contact again in future? I wouldn't rule it out. It's not something we're opposed to completely. I think it would be very beneficial in some ways, but it could be very harmful in others. I think it, the key for, for us would be what's most useful for, for our son, what is going to actually help him at that time. And he would always say 
straight off that seeing his birth mother would be one of the things he most looks forward to. But if he's got exams coming up or he's going through a turbulent time at school, that could probably make a difficult situation far more intense. And the, th- the thinking around timing would be quite... Um, there'd have to be a lot of thought around the particular timings, but we wouldn't rule it out. Some adoptive parents say, oh, no, they must there must never be direct contact. And there's often very good reasons if there's been physical or sexual or emotional abuse, reasons why you wouldn't want to put some your child through that. But if his birth mother is in a place where she's making the right choices that will mean that if she spends time with him, it will be a safe environment for both of them, then that would then that's certainly something you would consider. It certainly wouldn't be for a huge chunk of time and it wouldn't be unsupervised. But I think you've got to keep an open mind as to what's most useful and beneficial for your child. You kind of have to put your own feelings about protection and protecting your family to one side to look at what's going to be most beneficial for for your child. And if that's going to help him, then he should absolutely do it. I just think it's a question of getting the the environment right and that all of the stars need to be aligned. And that's not something you can put a timeline on. That's not something you can say when you're 15, that's something we'll look to do. Because it very much depends on where his headspace is at. It might be when he's 15 or 16, it might be when he's 20, 22, or he may go into adulthood and decide that actually he doesn't want face-to-face contact with her. I think the key thing for him is to know that it's not something we dismiss out of hand, that the thought processes will be about what's best for him at that time and that meeting her face-to-face is not the most important thing at any one time, but actually his ability to live his life day-to-day and cope with the whole school experience, exams, and that side of his life has to be smooth and continue as smoothly as possible. That's more important than meeting with his birth mum, because if that goes badly, it could do far more damage that will take a long time to repair. And I don't think that's in his best interest to, to have to go through. If your life is anything like mine, you get asked advice from other adopters. And I wonder what advice you would have for people who were thinking about meeting the birth parents and maintaining contact with them. Every case is different and every and emotions between every set of adopters and adoptive parents is different. But the key comes down really to who is the most important person or who are the most important people in the equation. And if you're adopting, um, whether you're adopting a sibling group or whether you're adopting a a single child, they've got to be, if you like, front and centre of the approach. And once you start building how you're going to support them around them at the middle of it, it becomes... Certainly for us, it was very straightforward that the the meeting Lucas's birth mother had to happen. He's enjoyed 
He'd enjoyed intermittent contact with her. It was always heartfelt. Certainly of his two birth parents, she was the one he'd had the majority of contact with. So when we were asked if we wanted to meet her, we didn't take any time to really think about it. We said, yes, of course, we we want to meet her if she's comfortable meeting us. Not all birth parents are happy to meet same-sex couples. And hopefully social workers can filter that out if that's going to be a real problem. It was challenging. It was probably the most stressful part of introductions because you're meeting someone who you wouldn't usually meet who's got a backstory that will definitely strike a chord negatively with you you won't think that this is a person that you would normally particularly want to to spend time with talking about parenting but she's still his birth mother and she holds the key to a lot of the things that cause him relief and also that he reacts to so actually contact with her is deeply important and positive contact is deeply important so no matter how i feel actually that that doesn't matter what matters is how she helps him grow and how we help nurture his understanding of that part of his life we never we've never criticized her or talked down about the choices that she's made, we've simply been pragmatic about it and as matter of fact as you can be. And because of that, it means that he doesn't worry about the contact he has with her. He struggles to put pen to paper now in terms of letterbox and occasionally he will draw a picture rather than than write a letter. And he will always refer back to us to ask what he should put in it and we're keen on encouraging him to to ask questions and to just talk about the things that have brought him joy because there will be certain things that he's done now that he was unlikely to have been able to to have done with his birth mother and in return she gets to share stories from her past to to let him know that she's okay that she thinks about him and I think in terms of giving him a more rounded understanding of of who he is certainly as he approaches his teenagers he he'll want to find his own identity and if if that difficult part of his life is totally off off limits i'm not certain that that would work for him i think he needs to have an understanding of what what he went through he needs to know that his birth mother loves him very much and he also needs to know that he can ask us questions as well as her and that he will get answers that are truthful back we don't lie to him if we can't answer a question we'll either say we don't know or that it's not an appropriate time for him to know but that he will be told in the future because at a certain point he will be of an age where he can request documents from social services and find out all the answers so it's pretty pointless lying or, or keeping the information back if he's able to deal with it But it's every child is different. And some children, although they might be physically sort of 14, 15, their ability to handle the information will be quite different. So you have to you have to distill the the facts down into something that's that's more appropriate for the mental age that they're operating on.
Thank you so much for giving us such an honest overview of what contact with the birth family is like. I'd like to thank our guest today, Mark. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at www.newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.